Roger, welcome to Uniquely Issaquah. It's been a long time coming, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thanks very much for having me. It, it was a little, uh, it was a little bit of a challenge to get the schedule set up, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, um, just for a little background for everybody, I I heard about Roger's story several months ago. I was really excited, wanted to get Roger. Um, on the podcast, and we just uh, we just kept missing the mark. But here we are, like three and a half months later, and he and we, we're here to talk about um, the unique find that you found that you discovered in your backyard while you were building your new home, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so let me just let me just open it, open the floodgates to you. We'll just dive right in and uh, just kind of tell the story of of this petrified wood that's sitting right here in front of me. Sure, you bet. So. First of all, you know, I've been a rock hound forever, and, uh, you know, I have a small collection of fossils, including petrified wood from the state of Washington. So uh, when they started construction on our new home up in the Issaquah Highlands uh, in 2016, uh, you know, every day they'd dig deeper and deeper on the excavation. I'd go out and look. I'm always curious to see what's in the ground. Mm And uh, I went out there one day, and the excavator came up to me. He was really excited. He said they'd... They hit something, some unusual rock, right in the far corner of the uh, of the lot uh, at, at the at the excavation. Mm-hmm. And when he showed it to me, I realized they'd hit into um, some petrified wood. Uh, a, a piece had fallen off, and um, he carried it to the back of my car. That it was a small piece; it probably weighed about a hundred pounds. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> we had no idea how much was there, how how big the specimen was. Um, but I knew that there was something really unusual in the ground. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so a rock hound, um, is that just a hobby, something that came along with your life? I mean, what's, what's kind of your, your background, your professional background, before we get totally into the story? Just kind of give everybody kind of like um, your perspective on, uh, on the world and life a little bit from – professionally and personally so sure sure absolutely so uh no i i rock hounding is strictly a hobby okay uh, I, I have no uh formal education in geology mm-hmm. uh, paleontology archaeology mm-hmm. or anything related to what's in the ground mm-hmm. uh other than a lifelong interest um i actually do hold a, a phd in cell oh. biology um and i've spent the the majority of my professional cr- uh, career uh, studying cancer Oh, and developing okay. therapeutics uh, to treat cancer patients. Mm-hmm. So I take that very passionately, mm-hmm. um, but along with that goes a much broader interest in science in general, including uh, geology mm-hmm. and uh, you know, rock collecting, fossil collecting. Right. It's just been a lifelong So uh, you, the whole time? It wasn't a bug you picked up? It's just, no. you know. I, I still have fossils that I collected uh, when I was in grade school. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's <laughs> yeah. great. So a lifelong hurry. So so if I ever go on a hike with you in some rocky area and you just wander off a trail and start start grabbing stones, I don't know, know what's going yep, on. Yep, and uh, make sure you bring a rock hammer with you, safety okay. glasses, and something to carry specimens in because mm-hmm. when I do go out with friends and family uh-huh. looking for rocks, we uh-huh. always find something. And once they're interested, they want to take it home. So <laughs> oh, that's, great. that's great. Well, let's, let's circling back to the to the unique find you you discovered in your backyard while building. So so you the uh, builder uh, hit the hit the log, took, knocked out a chunk, and um, uh, and then what happened with you? What you know? Well, so they were on a building schedule, and uh, they needed to get the form set in for the footing mm-hmm. for the house. And so 
they actually covered the specimen with, um, you know, the, what was shown. They, they covered it with plastic mm-hmm. um, and weatherproofed it. Uh, so that they could get going on the concrete mm-hmm. work. Uh, once they had the footing and foundation poured for the house, um, they were able to expose it, pull the plastic back, mm-hmm. and, and I let them know that, you know, I really want to see how much petrified wood is there and right. see if I can get some of it out of the ground. Right. Um, by then, the uh, young man who ran the excavator was really excited, oh, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I came out there on a Saturday mm-hmm. to uh, to start digging because mm-hmm. it was there were still about three feet of, of uh, topsoil and glacial till on top okay. of it before we could okay. even get down to yeah. it. But I came out there on a Saturday, mm-hmm. and this fellow was sitting in the excavator. Mm-hmm. He'd been out there uh, digging uh-huh. on his time oh, wow. to expose uh, uh-huh. as much of the bedrock as uh-huh. possible. Okay. And he's scraping all the dirt mm-hmm. off the top. Mm-hmm. And um, then we started to realize how big the specimen really was. Oh, okay. you know, I thought maybe three or four feet mm-hmm. long, and at that point it was clear that it was 10 or 12 feet and maybe bigger. Generally when you find uh, something like this, is it usually smaller? Is it, is it rare to find something as large as what you found intact? So, you know, Washington's really interesting. Um, you know, our state gemstone is petrified wood. Mm-hmm. So generally in the state of Washington, there's a, a lot of petrified wood. However... Mm-hmm. Most of it's on the other side of the Cascades. Oh, right. And okay. so it's geologically very different. Mm-hmm. In terms of the quality of the wood, the type of stone preservation, it's also very different. Um, and so when I started asking around to the experts, the mm-hmm. geological survey in particular mm-hmm. on uh, in, in Washington, I learned that finding a log uh, on this mm-hmm. side of the Cascades is extremely rare. Small pieces can be found, um, and they have been found, of course, but uh, I've never met anybody oh. who's found it, but okay. <laughs> I was told, yeah. So when I said, no, this this specimen is, you know, three feet in diameter and, I don't know, 12 feet wow. long or something, it was like, oh, yeah, that's that's really special and really different. So, <laughs> so yeah, because, you know, there's the petrified forest on the east side of the – Sure, uh, Ginkgo. Uh, yeah, yep. Ginkgo, right? Yep. Well known. I'm sure you've been there many, many times. I have times. been there, yes, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so so why is that? Why is it rare on the west side? You know, it has to do with the geology mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the, the whole area was, uh, you know, it's an uplift mm-hmm. and there's certainly a lot of volcanic activity and it's different on this side mm-hmm. of the mountains than it is on the other side of the okay. mountains. And it's, I'd say it's either that simple or that mm-hmm. complex, right. um, you know, so that's, that's why the difference. Okay. So how, what is the process? I'm sure, you know, being the rock hand and all the research you've done is how does a, a piece of wood a log, a tree, when it falls, how does it become petrified as opposed to just, just you know, becoming part of Earth again? You know, sure. Uh, in this particular case, uh, we have to go back at mm. least thirty-five million years, somewhere That's between thirty. Yeah, only, <laughs> only, yeah. Uh, I was in grade school, uh, <laughs> so you know, between thirty-five and fifty million years ago, it's mm. called the uh, Eocene uh, epoch, mm-hmm. um, and this area was forested. Okay. And uh, I think we have a picture, right? Sure, uh, yeah. That. So let's bring up – we've got a little bit of a picture. Let me find that one picture that you had that you, it described. Oh, right here, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, yeah, this is good because it, it – it, uh, this, this picture shows what the log looked like when it was first exposed. Oh, okay. And an idea of the layers that, uh, um, that it was buried in. 
And the area we live in, the Issaquah Highlands, is, is a little unusual geologically compared to the rest of the highlands and certainly the rest of, of Issaquah. And I have that from the um, Icicle Creek geological survey, the uh, geotechnical survey that was done on our particular building lot. Oh, okay. And this indicates that the surface layer, uh, which is only a few feet thick, frankly, no more than about three feet thick. This is a, a, a glacial till deposit. Mm -hmm. So this is left over from many, many different ice ages. Okay. And so this layer is very compact. It's got a lot of rock in it and uh, clay. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a real dense consistency. Um, and then underneath that, uh, you immediately hit bedrock. And, oh, okay. And so this bedrock, this is the Eocene Epoch bedrock that I was referring to. It's called the Tukwila Formation in our mm -hmm. area. And I have this information from the Fall City Quadrant map that was published by the U.S. Geological Survey. Okay. And that's that's available on, online on the web. Anybody who wants to know what's under the feet, oh. they can download the map and uh, and study it uh, and, and find their area and study it. So it's oh, really nice. – And see what they're living on top of, right? That's mm – -hmm. yeah. Oh, and there's a ton of information there. Oh, that's and good. they're And they're good at explaining it. Uh -huh. uh, in kind of layman terms? Of terms? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. I mean, they'll give the age, where it mm -hmm. came from, mm -hmm. and then uh, um, it's a lot to read if, mm -hmm. you know, if you're interested. But um, so, so from this illustration, you can see the log in the upper right, and it actually sits um, below the glacial till, so we know it's in bedrock from mm -hmm. the um, geotechnical survey. And the bedrock is, is sort of divided into two uh, components. The upper part of it is, is highly weathered, and then the lower part uh, is is really, really hard <laughs> and solid. So they were, in, it appears a kind of a gray or dark gray color in this illustration. Mm -hmm. So they had to use jackhammers to get through oh. this to excavate. Okay, so so this is hard. Yeah. 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 So oh, the, top, yeah. the top part is, is more flaky. It's it's a little bit more crumbly. Okay. Uh, is that the stuff that's the, right here on the table? Yeah. So the, so the, the, the petrified wood mm -hmm. came out. It's actually different consistencies. Okay. The stuff that uh, – because the, the log, it, you know, it, it's not laying flat. It oh, kind okay. of points up towards the surface. Mm -hmm. And the part that's at the surface was a little more weathered, mm -hmm. so it was more crumbly, and uh, there's a lot of freeze thaw. Uh -huh. um, there were even some tree roots that had penetrated the very top. Oh, okay, of the so it was effect of being affected by yeah. by out exterior forces. Yep. Just where this was kind of locked in, right? Yeah, the stuff that was at the bottom. Um, if there's another photo, if you want to uh -huh. roll to it, yeah. of my son actually uh, taking out the bottom part. Uh, there, yeah, this photo. We were we had to use a jackhammer to get out part of the bottom, and at one point we we finally just had to give up. It was oh. it was actually too hard for us to remove. That's so with funny. the jackhammer by hand. So the distance between the the rock hard and kind of this brittle stuff is what? How many feet? Probably about eight feet. Wow, it's amazing the yep. difference. Yep, and okay. uh, but it's you know freeze thaw, water penetration, mm -hmm. root penetration, and none of that got down. This deep into the bedrock. Yeah. So, so we have a petrified log now. now uh, exactly how, why? So, what caused this this specific one to become petrified? So, uh, this log was buried uh, in a volcanic flow, uh, say during the Eocene epoch, mm -hmm. uh, and and the age of the epoch varies depending on the source between thirty and fifty five, or thirty five and fifty five, but mm -hmm. in, in that range. A volcanic flow uh, buried this log, and the log was probably already dead, so it didn't knock down a living tree and okay. bury it. 
Um, and this is according to the report done by mm-hmm. uh, jo- George Musto at Western mm-hmm. Washington University. Uh, he says the preservation of the wood suggests that it was decaying when it was buried. So this volcanic flow, um, which is part of the Tukwila Formation, mm-hmm. probably came from Mount Persis, which okay. is to the north and east I think we have a, of Issaquah. I think we have a picture uh, of that yep. somewhere so, yep, right here's here. Here's the map. Oh, man, that's and, so far uh, away. Yeah, you can see <laughs> – you can see Issaquah Islands yeah, yeah. all the way to the lower left. I think it's about 30 miles or wow. so as a crow flies uh, okay. to Mount Persis. Mount Persis is still there today, okay. and there are hiking trails. Um, and uh, these uh, volcanic flows actually spread out and covered a good part of the, of, uh, of the state in this area. Right. Um, the geological history is still a little bit sketchy, and this is still a bit controversial. I have mm-hmm. different uh, geological survey reports mm-hmm that give similar age for the flows, but mm-hmm. it's a little controversial as to where the Tukwila Formation actually okay. came from. Okay. But today, this is the best uh, right. explanation that we have. So Mount Persis uh, erupts. You get a volcanic flow, covers the log or yep. the tree, the down tree, and 50, 35 million liter- years later, we have what's sitting it's, in front of us? Yep, so it's a piece of rock. <laughs> <laughs> so is it because it gets sealed? I mean... What causes it to petrify? Get petrified? Is because it, it just gets sealed. A combination of water and minerals. Mm-hmm. So, so it's buried in a volcanic mm-hmm. flow mm-hmm. Um, that cuts it off from air. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so it, it it and it's obviously been heated, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So it, it it doesn't continue to decay. So the decay in the wood probably happened before it was buried. Oh, okay. But but water permeates mm-hmm. into the flow just as it does, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the ground today. It, so, right. it soaks through the bedrock mm-hmm. and along with that it brings minerals. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so those minerals over thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of years mm-hmm. actually replace the uh the the wood structure with okay. with rock. Oh, okay. And there 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 are um, two dominant kinds of rock in this particular specimen. The most common is uh, you'll find silicon and oxygen, mm-hmm. um, which are indicative of quartz crystals. Okay. So, so most of the log is actually preserved mm-hmm. as quartz crystals or silicates. Um, as you go lower into the log, it becomes more and more dense, and the amounts of iron increase. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of iron probably came from pyrite deposits in the soil, which mm-hmm. are part of the volcanic um, flow. Um, the iron is, is mm-hmm. um, uh, replacing wood along with the, with the, with the quartz. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, we know that secondhand because when <laughs> I took pieces out and set them in my driveway, rust stains formed on the concrete. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we know there's a, a fair amount of iron in there, and it mm-hmm. is quite dense uh, oh, wow. and quite dark in, mm-hmm. in color. So, so you, so you digging in the backyard. You find the, the log. You're excited. Everybody's asking, you know, take, you know, digging it up, getting all the chunks out, and then you have all this information. So, where did you get all this information about it? I know you're a rock hound, but you, but you're you're dropping some serious knowledge here, and I'm not sure that your average rock hound has all this information. So, where did you get all this information about your 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 amazing find? So yeah, that was the uh, that was the fun uh, investigation part of this whole thing. So um, I the first place I went, I mean, the first question is how old is it? Right, it's right. petrified wood, but how old is it? Mm-hmm. So the first place I looked was in the geotechnical report for our building lot, and that was done by Icicle Creek, okay. and they described the bedrock in our area as being Eocene. 
uh, epoch, they actually assigned an age of 25 million years to it. But we know that that is that that's that's quite an underestimate today. But they also they also describe where the bedrock is, and so we knew exactly how far down and everything lined up. That was the first clue, and then from using that information, I started looking on the web for publications uh, regarding the uh, Eocene, uh, and you you get the other. You know, the Holocene, the Pleistocene, other epochs, geological epochs. You find all that information when you start looking. But I had the keyword Eocene. Mm-hmm. Um, from that, I pulled up a publication, a geological survey publication on the Fall City Quadrant, uh, which has, as I mentioned earlier, just a, a, an endless amount of information mm-hmm. in it. But most importantly, it contains a map that shows – uh, the bedrock, the types of bedrock that are found in this part of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in that map are rivers, lakes, and Interstate 90. Oh. So <laughs> so I went to Google, pulled uh-huh. up Google Map, uh-huh. and I overlaid Google on top wow. of, the, of the Fall City Quadrant, and I was actually able to locate exactly where our house oh, sat genius. on this fall city map. <laughs> That's and great. Like I said, this was fun. It <laughs> yeah. was a detective work, right? <laughs> so, so now I know where it is. I know mm-hmm. what the rock is underneath mm-hmm. is. I, I know how old it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, that same map told us about the glacial deposits mm-hmm. and where they came from. So there's, like I said, a lot, just a lot of information in it. So, so now I know – I know a lot about the geology of what's underneath our building lot. <clears throat> so the next question is, how old is the petrified log? Right. So um, I wrote an email to the Washington uh, Geological Survey, and you know, they they couldn't help directly. Uh, it's it's not what they do. Oh, okay. But from them, I got the name of George Musto, who's at Western Washington University, and he is he, he's retired, but mm-hmm. uh, still has a an a, a, a um, an appointment there, so he gets to use facilities. George is a great guy. Talk mm-hmm. to him. He is the expert on Washington's petrified wood. Oh, wow. And I told him about the specimen, and he was very excited and asked if I could send some pieces, and he would have a look at it. So, so I took uh, uh, pieces of petrified wood that represented different parts of the log, mm-hmm. and I sent them to George, and uh, I expected him to look at them and give me an opinion. And <laughs> wow, he did a lot more than that. So he <laughs> cut sections of the wood. Mm-hmm. He looked at it by light microscopy. Okay. He looked at it using an electron microscope. Wow. <laughs> and, and then he did elemental analysis using mm-hmm. uh, a method uh, that measures x-rays. Oh, okay. And so, so he was able to tell me not only uh, you know, what the wood was made of, mm-hmm. but what Roughly what type of wood it was, for example, uh-huh. we, we don't know the species of tree that it came from, oh, okay. unfortunately. But he said, you know, it's, it was because it was decayed, mm-hmm. uh, uh, either before or as it was buried, it was decaying. It's kind of hard to identify the species. But because of the structure of the wood, he said it's a dicot, so a, mm-hmm. a, a, um, a, a tree that lo- loses its leaves every year oh, okay. as opposed to uh, an evergreen. Oh, okay. So we know it's not an evergreen, mm-hmm. right? So it's not a cedar tree. It's not right. one of our many pine trees. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it is, but it could be something related to a maple or oh, okay. an oak or, or mm-hmm. a beech or something, an right. alder. I don't know. But it's, so, so we could tell that we could, we could at least get that far with the uh-huh. identification. 
he put together a really nice report and sent the report to me. Oh, nice. Uh, and it's, yeah, a very, very thorough job. So very exciting to yeah. to both of us. That's great. So so you've, been, you've kind of been spreading the word a little bit about this because it it's exciting. I mean, I found out it around the way. And um, kind of talk about it as as you got the report, you got the information, you know, um, you know, what what made you so excited about about sharing this information? Because you know other people are building around you, and and they don't know what's in their back. I mean, I think in a way we're lucky that you found it, because if it was just you know if it was me, I would just went oh, what's that big <laughs> rock in my? <laughs> Somebody get that rock out of my backyard. <laughs> yeah. Oh look, so, a rotten log. That's yeah. right. Wow. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, once once the right person saw it and had that energy and excitement about it, um, you know, you know, talk about that process and and wanting to share it with everybody. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, that was mm-hmm. obviously just as much fun as anything mm-hmm. else. Right. I think it started. You know, I had uh, as we were building the house, mm-hmm. um, I was meeting neighbors and mm-hmm. and um, and uh, you know, one of my neighbors, you know, I just asked him. He, he's in the sciences, and I just asked him. So, you know, do you? Uh, Still get interested in science geek kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He says, "Oh, sure." And I said, well, "Let me show you what I found in my yard." You know, <laughs> and uh, and his eyes got real big. He says, "Wow, this is that's really neat." You know, who'd have thought that there's a petrified log in your backyard? Right. Um, you know, so of course I sent him home with a with a piece of it because uh, <laughs> there's a lot of petrified wood there. Right. Um, and word spread a little bit around the neighborhood. Other neighbors and they were asking. And then I sent a note. Um, over to you know Blakely Hall and just mm-hmm. saying hey you know this is this is actually kind of neat I wonder if people would be interested in just learning what's underneath mm-hmm. you know their yard right. and the answer was yes I, yeah. I think I was uh, surprised pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. at how interested right. people really are in knowing you know the mm-hmm. long term history of of what's in the ground underneath them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that spreads. Yeah. So yeah. So Blake and Hall, for people who don't know, is kind of a community community center type uh, building up in the Isqua Highlands. And so you contacted them. So did you you did a display up there or something? I did a display. Um, you know, they have several different uh, activities that go on there mm-hmm. over the course of the year. And they asked me if I could uh, mm-hmm. come in and and talk about the petrified wood mm-hmm. and and uh, you know show off a few pieces mm-hmm. of it. So, uh, which I did. I was, mm-hmm. I was glad to oblige. Mm-hmm. Um, I took in a box, you know, please help yourself. Right. I mean, really, please help yourself <laughs> because, you know, we dug all this wood out of mm-hmm. the ground and, mm-hmm. and I, and I have used some of it and yeah. I'm going to continue use some mm-hmm. of it, but, but there's just so much there. Right. Uh, I thought it would be great for people in the community to be able to have, to own yeah. a piece of the rock literally <laughs> uh, and to be able to share, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the history. And yeah. I think it's, you know, it's great. You know, when mm-hmm. kids get excited about it, mm-hmm. they want to learn about it, mm-hmm. and they're amazed at how old it is. Yeah. And uh, of course, so am I still. Yeah. And uh, I just thought it would be a really good thing to share. And so far, uh, yeah. all of our friends and neighbors have have agreed. So we get, we got a couple of pictures that kind of shows people how much. Let me. Well, let's talk about this picture right here. Sure. So this is this a really pretty. This is a really pretty display here. So yeah. So uh, we thought, you know, when in our building plan originally we mm-hmm. had uh, some kind of an ornamental tree or bush. That's or, the one thing everybody <laughs> needs to remember. You were building a house, and did this slow down the building process at all? <laughs> and uh, how'd that go over with the rest of your family? <laughs> so actually, um, we we stayed to their schedule, okay. and 
you know, it was so helpful, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when the excavation company came out and worked on a weekend to oh, clear it. Nice. And then it was kind of a panic when my my son and I, and, and actually one of the mm -hmm. uh, one of the construction crew, they came mm -hmm. out uh, to jackhammer and mm -hmm. we, you know, shovels and picks and pry bars mm -hmm. to take out as much of the specimen as possible mm -hmm. before they started backfilling. Right. Um, the problem is, is that if you push the schedule out a week, it ends up being a month. Right. And yeah, that wouldn't have gone over too yeah. well. Yeah. So we got out as much of it as we could. Mm -hmm. um, I have it marked, of course. I know exactly where the rest of the log sits. Mm -hmm. I, I took out about 12 feet of okay. the log, so yeah, yeah. 12 by 3 foot in mm -hmm. diameter. Uh, a few tons of, yeah. of rock. <laughs> uh, but the rest of it's in the ground, mm -hmm. and we actually have no idea how big the tree really is. So it could be a 100-foot-tall tree. It, it, I know it goes in at least four more feet because okay. we, we had exposed it, but we couldn't remove it. Remember, right. it, just, it was just too hard right. to get out with a jackhammer. Mm -hmm. But um, So we know it goes at mm -hmm. least four more feet. So that mm -hmm. gives us about 16 foot okay. of petrified log, mm -hmm. but it was getting bigger as it went down. Mm -hmm. So it could go down two more feet. It could go down 20. I have no idea. Wow. A mystery. <laughs> a mystery to be discovered by someone else in 35 million years. But So, uh, so, <laughs> so this picture itself, um, this is kind of how you put a portion of it to use. That's a large That's a large section. Is that multiple pieces? It's What I did was, you know, I cataloged as, as much as I could as I dis mm -hmm. disassembled it. And uh, my son and I, um, one piece at a time, hauled it up to the um, – right next to our front porch mm -hmm. and then reassembled it um, using, you know, concrete oh, and nice. some reinforcement. Okay. And then um, the outside, uh, the, mm -hmm. the log was soaked and coated with a uh, weatherproofing preservative to keep it from freeze-thawing over oh. the years. We really want to make sure that it stays intact as, right. as long as mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't – it's not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. it, you know, in another million years, it will mm -hmm. probably be gone. Yeah. But – Oh well, I, it's nice. <laughs> I, yeah, this this me. this piece is probably about three and a half feet in diameter, um, and I'm going to guess it weighs probably a ton and a half. Wow, it's it's maybe four feet tall. Wow, four and a half maybe. So it's a big piece of That's petrified great. wood and a nice decoration outside yeah. the front door. <laughs> yeah, it's it's astonishing as you come up your front steps. It, it catches you right off. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> um, I wanted to jump to – well, let me just talk about some of these pictures. Let's just kind of go through the pictures a little bit sure. and just talk about it. So – yeah, this is great. This is this is my buddy uh, Colin who was driving the excavator, and like I say, he showed up on a, on a Saturday, uh, and he was he was glad to be there. Uh, oh, yeah. And you can see him uh, removing the mm -hmm. glacial till, the overburden off the mm -hmm. top of the bedrock, uh, and because he knew we were under a time schedule, right? Uh, but he was also really excited about yeah. the petrified log. Mm -hmm. um, so the, this was the first step, and you can see the pile of of. Well, I'm sure uh, you know. <laughs> well, I'm sure because you know he probably do, digs a lot of lots. Yeah. It's his job. It's so how? He so he doesn't run into petrified trees all the time. So, so for him, this is like it's like finding a dinosaur. Absolutely, and and this <laughs> is know? the first time. I mean, this, this is the first that mm -hmm. he's seen it, and wow. he was really excited. Mm -hmm. And that, that was great. Yeah. I mean, it, it's – but that's how people have reacted right. to the find, of mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. uh, the builder, all the subcontractors, yeah. 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 So he helped us. He pulled this off, and, and he was only, only able to go down to the bedrock. Okay. With the excavator. From then on, it was we had Jack, to go by hand. That yeah. was jackhammer time. And yeah, that was fun. 
<laughs> so this, I like this picture because it kind of shows it all intact. Yes, and it gives you the shovel gives you kind of a perspective. Yes, and uh, is that the chunk that was taken out? Yeah, you that can black uh, area uh, in the, the middle. The black area in the middle. There were a, a few pieces uh, have, have already been removed. Um, some of it kind of fell out as we were mm-hmm. as we were pulling the rock off. On the very top, at the top of the, of the uh, shovel handle, you can actually see the crumbly part of the bedrock. It's, mm-hmm. it's sort of a light, light brown consistency. Mm-hmm. Still part of the same flow, but, uh, but highly weathered. And you can see that the log projects up into that part of the bedrock. Right. To the lower right at the base of the log, mm-hmm. that's where it's, it, really gets, it really gets dense. So would, uh, would the top <laughs> half, so it's lying flat, would the top half of the log be crumbly and then like in a round. So if you cut a round out with yeah. the top third of it be crumbly in the would bottom. Be. So it wasn't like the top like the top top of the tree versus the bottom. It was actually the top like third or something that, like that. That's correct. Yeah, it's the, the further towards the surface. Okay, yeah, the, yeah. the more crumbly right. it was, yeah. Yep. And then, and then th- here's an interesting picture. Well, tell us about this picture. What are we seeing here? So this is uh, the back of our house um, showing where the uh, petrified log uh, sits and or sat and the direction of the orientation. This was actually an important clue because when I spoke with the um, Washington Ge- Geological Survey, um, what they told me was that if, if I could – if I knew the orientation of the log, um, it was likely to point – Toward in the direction of the volcanic flow, and they said that that can actually help you confirm where it came from. And you can see in in this photo that I've labeled magnetic north mm-hmm. and true north because they don't necessarily line up over the years. Right. Um, and then the direction that the log points, which is towards the north and east. Okay. And it does point directly at Mount Persis, which we know, which we know <laughs> is, is where the Tukwila formation came from. So. Wow. So this is consistent with mm-hmm. the uh, uh, bedrock analysis. It was just another geolite. clue it's that was confirming clue. all this information that you had gathered. You know, how long? How long did you do the research for for this? Was this? How long was the sleuthing? So you found it. You, you're pulling it out, and then the sleuthing t- takes place. So how long was that process? That was actually months. I, I mean, it, the resources are all there, but you mm-hmm. know, anytime you try to find something. Uh, you you're, you might run into a dead end. You wait. Mm-hmm. You think about it, and then all of a sudden, you get an idea. Mm-hmm. So it it sounds easy when you hear it laid out. Yeah, right. I went from this to this to this, but mm-hmm. no, it it actually took a lot took longer than that. But time. fortunately, I was photographing the house and mm-hmm. the excavation all along the way, just because right. I liked the photos. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted the record, you <laughs> right, know. Right. And you know, a few hundred photos later, yeah. I'm glad I did. Yeah, you yeah. Know, all that information. So this was taken with a drone, actually. Oh, okay, yep. okay. And then uh, here you are. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put put on my uh, my work clothes and uh, got out the shovel because mm-hmm. um, you know once once we had uh, uh, you know broken up the bedrock off the top mm-hmm. of it. Uh, you know, using a, a jackhammer, and I also used a pick. I have okay. a, a hand pick. Then I had to carefully remove uh, the fragments with a shovel and, and try to get as much of the um, uh, excavated material mm-hmm. out of the way as possible. And this was really just – I wanted to find out how big the log was before okay. we took out any more mm-hmm. of it. And you can see it's broken up and, and mm-hmm. you know, fragmented even here. So did you – so what we're seeing here, was this all removed? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. In fact, it was removed all the way up to the part that's just behind me in this photo, and and kind of the gravelly you, area. Yeah. Well, it gets getting deeper and deeper okay. into the bedrock, and mm-hmm. and harder and harder <laughs> to break up. 
There's yep. old Jack Hammer. Yep. More, more work. <laughs> yeah, this is Matt. He was great. Uh, he came out and helped uh, with some of the initial um, mm-hmm. excavation. Um, and you can see that we've gotten a, a number of the pieces taken mm-hmm. off the top. And um, and then we moved them uh, out of the way. We mm-hmm. actually <laughs> – you know, what do you do with three tons of petrified wood while you're building a house? Uh yeah, where did you put well, it? Because <laughs> you didn't have a garage to put it in yet. <laughs> no, we didn't. You know, so we started setting it aside, and you can see in, in yep. this photo too some of the. I mean, this is a very large piece at the bottom mm-hmm. that that we'd managed to take out. That's the what's sitting out front of the house, by the way. Oh, okay, that piece the down there. Yeah, oh, nice. uh, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we we moved the pieces by hand uh, up to the up to the side uh, right behind my son here. And they used the excavator bucket to move it down and put it in a pile next to the driveway. And then I covered it with... Ah, this is the picture I was trying to get to. This is the picture I was trying to get to. That's a pile of petrified wood uh, that sits in my garage. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The boxes contain all of the smaller fragments. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I I didn't want to... You know, just throw any other way. The big right. pieces, I thought, well, this would be fun to do some landscaping mm-hmm. and maybe some furniture. But even the small pieces, mm-hmm. uh, I thought this would be great just to give away to the school kids mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and neighbors, anybody who's interested in having right. a, a piece of the rock, uh, rather than just, mm-hmm. you know, use them as backfill. So there's there's a lot of petrified wood. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big <laughs> that's a big pile of petrified wood. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then what are we looking at here? So... Um, I was interested in the structure of the wood. Uh, this was even before I sent it up to um, George Musto. And I just took it into my workshop and cut a few sections, uh, smaller pieces. I cut them in sections using a, um, a stone saw. Okay. And uh, so this is what it looked like, uh, at least by my eye. And you mm-hmm. can see some of the um, mm-hmm. uh, tubular structure to the wood. It's, mm-hmm. it's preserved enough that you could see you know, the sort of xylem and phloem mm-hmm. uh, structure of the wood. Um, and in the quartz crystals, the, the lighter areas in here are, are uh, crystalline material along the matrix oh. of the wood. And it, it just sparkles like diamonds oh. when you get it out in the sun. It, oh, it really? really is something else. Mm-hmm. And you can see some mm-hmm. of that, I'm sure, in the, yeah. in the pieces that I brought into your mm-hmm. office. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see the sparkle from the lights. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually pretty cool. Those uh, yeah. are the quartz crystals. Oh, yeah, crystals. I can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I totally yeah, can see those that. Those are the quartz yeah. crystals. Yeah. That's really cool. So this section is from, uh, you know, one of these mm-hmm. pieces of wood yeah. like this. So. And then uh, what are we, what's this? What are we, talk, what are we talking well, about here? Well, and this is, uh, this is one of those uh, serendipitous finds off the web, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in trying to figure out the, the age of the volcanic flow, mm-hmm. uh, and so I had a couple pieces of information, right? So we mm-hmm. had the Tukwila formation uh, from the uh, Fall City map. Um, we had from the um, Geological Survey publication mm-hmm. Uh, a likely source is Mount Persis. So I started looking f- on the web for documents around mm-hmm. the Mount Persis flow. And interestingly enough, just a couple of years ago, there was a poster that was presented on the Mount Persis flow. Oh. And this is uh, this is uh, uh, one uh, figure uh, from that publication, and that's okay. uh, that's one of the references that I provided to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, there. yeah. Mm-hmm. And this tells the age uh, of the various flows from Mount Persis. So Mount Persis didn't erupt mm. just once and that was it. Oh, okay. It flowed many times mm-hmm. over this um, uh, geologic, this Eocene uh, period. And mm-hmm. you can see those flows in this figure. 
and they're indicated between 36 and 47 uh, so, million years ago. So does the geologic survey or where you've got this information, does it track all the volcanoes in western or in the or in the Washington area? So if, if you, you know, let's just Mount Pilchuck. Sure, <laughs> you there know, you go. Mount Pilchuck, <laughs> just because I've hiked it. And it's, it's a good hike. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, a great one. one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So could I find that information or, or, or is it just – A lot of it you can yeah. and it's, it's – there's a reason for doing this and I learned this from, from reading through the various publications. Um, if we understand what ha- has happened in the past, it helps us to better predict what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. So understanding the geological history of our area is actually very important to knowing – What's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. You know, we're all familiar with, you know, Mount Rainier and, right. and of course, Mount St. Helen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, b- because they're here and they're new mm-hmm. and we can see them. But they are relatively new, geologically speaking. Right. If you go back to the uh, Mount Persis eruptions, mm-hmm. this area was very, very different. And there, okay. were, there were other volcanoes that were here, uh, other lava flows that occurred mm-hmm. at the time, debris flows, ash flows that occurred at the time. They're very different than today. Mm-hmm. But the forces that drive them are exactly the same right. floor forces, mm-hmm. the plate tectonics. Mm-hmm. So – so. There's been a, a desire by the geological survey uh, and the groups they work with to understand the geological history mm-hmm. uh, under this part of the country. Um, if you go back to the 1960s and 1970s, mm-hmm. the data is relatively thin and poor. Mm-hmm. It's because it was hard to explore. Right. Everything's covered with forest, you mm-hmm. know. As there's more uh, construction mm-hmm. uh, and and then better methods, better mm-hmm. methods of drilling and boring into the ground, we learn more and more and more about the history. Mm-hmm. So not only are the older maps updated, right. but they're, the actual information that's contained in those maps in terms mm-hmm. of the age of the rock, when mm-hmm. the volcanoes uh, erupted, mm-hmm. where they were located, that information mm-hmm. is also being uh, updated, improved. Uh, and, improved, mm-hmm. and improved on. Um, in, in one of the publications I read mm-hmm. that we actually know probably around 90% of what's happened geologically oh, wow. uh, in the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. That's quite a bit, but that means we still have a ways to go. Yeah, there's still some. <laughs> so is there, what's the difference? So was the western part of the state more affected by volcanoes than the eastern part? Was it... So or is it basically the same? Yeah, or is they're, they're actually they're, it's probably pretty similar. Okay, but but the events are actually quite different. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, most of the the Cascade, mm-hmm. and we think the Cascade is being volcanic, right? And they actually aren't. I mean, oh, okay. Most of the rock in the Cascades are are you know granites and schists mm-hmm. and other types of rock that they 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 were volcanic, mm-hmm. of course, a long long time yeah. ago. But it's actually plate tectonics that okay. are putting pressure. Uh, mm-hmm. on the um, uh, continental plate and mm-hmm. causing it to wrinkle and uplift. Oh, okay. And along with that pressure mm-hmm. goes a lot of heat, mm-hmm. and, that's, and, and, of course, the volcanoes are, are formed as ways to, to vent the heat and relieve some of this tension mm-hmm. along, along the folding of right. the plate. So it's different since, so like the volcanoes in Hawaii where you're actually building the Very island. Yeah. You're building the island through lava flows. This, these volcanoes are created through tectonic, Pressure. Yeah, yeah. Very different. Very mm-hmm. different from the Hawaiian Islands. That, okay. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, those same forces, mm-hmm. of course, uh, drove the volcanic history of the eastern part of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other things, of mm-hmm. course, that drove what we now know to be the geology 
current day geology in eastern Washington, mm-hmm. in, including the uh, you know Ice Age uh, dam break that right. probably carved much of of what is now right. eastern was, and east central Washington. Yeah, because I was kind yeah. of thinking about that because yeah. I know that it was kind of graded, basically, <laughs> kind of. Yep. Right, and so. And that's why it, that's why I was kind of leaning towards that question because I was like, well, how does that work? Why is it so flat and everything? You know, and we're a little bit more mountainous over here with a little, our topography is so different. And uh, yeah, it's hard to imagine mm-hmm. a, a, a you know an ice age flood that, mm-hmm. uh, by some estimates, a wall of water six hundred feet high crashed through that part of the state, in a, and over a very short mm-hmm. period of time, mm-hmm. perhaps even days. Wow. You know, carved canyons and the potholes uh-huh. and everything else yeah. that we now associate with mm-hmm. with Washington mm-hmm. geology east of the Cascades. Right. Um, but the volcanic history, um, uh, to my knowledge, is mm-hmm. is 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 very similar. The forces mm-hmm. behind it are very similar. Um, I don't know where the volcanoes were, right. you know, that resulted in the mm-hmm. the flows, for example, or on, uh, by Vantage, you know, mm-hmm. that were responsible for the Ginkgo Forest. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, well, in history over Do there, we know so. the, the age of the Ginkgo Forest approximately? You know? uh, it's about the same age. About the same time? Yeah, yeah, okay. it's, about, it's about the same mm-hmm. age. Yeah. yeah. What's a million years between? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Plus or minus, Plus yeah. Plus or minus. Um, but mm-hmm. the, the preservation and the types of petrified wood mm-hmm. that I've seen over there um, – I mean, Chris, we've just have the one log from here, right? And and I have pieces that I've collected mm-hmm. uh, from the other other side of the state. The preservation is similar to uh-huh. this log, but I also have pieces that are opalized or agatized, so they're okay. more of a semi-precious, oh, uh, gem okay. quality wood that the Washington, frankly, mm-hmm. is quite well known for. Oh, okay. So is that is that more standard on the eastern eastern side? Yes, it okay. is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you there. there are two places, mm-hmm. uh, in, in case the listeners are interested, right? <laughs> there, we go. there are two places that you can go. Uh, one is, of course, the uh, Ginkgo uh, State mm-hmm. Park, mm-hmm. Uh, and they, there's a, a museum there, and you can look at some of the uh, specimens that have been found in that area. Mm-hmm. It's it's just off of Interstate 90 by the Columbia River. Okay. Um, and then there's a trail that you can walk through the mm-hmm. park, and you can see some of the logs that are still on the ground that have been found there, mm-hmm. in, including the ginkgo tree for which the the park has is, is been named. Mm-hmm. The other place to go, which I think is a lot more fun, is a place called Saddle Mountain. Uh, Saddle Mountain is near the town of Mattawa. Okay. So it's south of Vantage along the Columbia River. Um, it's BLM land, mm-hmm. and it's an area that you are allowed to collect petrified wood. Oh, wow. Um, uh, BML land? Sorry. Uh, it, Bureau of Land Management. Oh, Bureau, okay. So they're public lands. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find them on a, on a Washington map. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially if you get a, a, a BLM, Bureau of Land Management, map, okay. um, the Washington State Gazetteer has it as well, which mm-hmm. is how I found it. And then you can find information on the web as mm-hmm. to how to get there. But you drive all the way up to this, uh, the top of Saddle Mountain. Mm-hmm. There are no trees. It's mm-hmm. arid, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and you're about 2,000 feet above the Columbia River. So mm-hmm. the views are spectacular. Wow. But you can walk around and find petrified wood on the ground, and you're allowed to collect it and keep it. There's even a sign as you enter the the uh, land management area mm-hmm. that tells you how much you can collect. Oh, so, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really a great resource mm-hmm. for people who yeah. are interested uh, in going out and finding some of their own. Yeah. Uh, well, what is your plan? So, I know you you did the the presentation up at Blakely Hall. Um, do you have any further plans for um, 
spreading the information and knowledge that you've collected about about this amazing uh, find in your backyard? So absolutely, yes. <laughs> and I should add to that, uh, also getting rid of some of the right. petrified wood. Is, <laughs> I've got the display piece out front, and I've got mm-hmm. a couple of more projects uh-huh. that are uh, uh, you know, for which I've earmarked um, mm-hmm. a few select pieces of wood. Mm-hmm. Um, but the boxes, the, the smaller pieces, I actually want to get over to the school systems uh, in Issaquah so that you know, school kids can learn about it mm-hmm. and have an opportunity to take a piece of petrified wood home mm-hmm. just to show what's underneath the feet in uh, underneath their feet in their own backyard. Right. And I'm sure there's a lot more of it here that's just mm-hmm. hasn't been found and probably never will be. But I think it's a great way to get kids interested mm-hmm. uh, in in learning more about what's around them and perhaps interested in the sciences. You know, we need yeah. we need a new generation of scientists, and we I think this do. is a good way to start mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, <laughs> things like this where it's where it's tactile and you can touch it and you can pick it up, and there's a story behind it. You know, if it can, you know, if if one child, you know, can can say, you know what, maybe I want to be a rock hound. Absolutely. Know? And goes to Saddle Mountain and finds their own fossil, their own petrified wood, and they be, and it takes them in that science direction. Then, then you you've done your job, sir. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. And and you know, I find it exciting. My family finds it exciting. I've been out with my uh, uh, friends and extended family members. Rock pounding, rock collecting. <laughs> nice. There are other fossils in the state mm-hmm. of Washington, mm-hmm. and there are other stones to find. Mm-hmm. A lot of agates and jaspers yeah. and opals, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think that the more people who are interested, it does sort of groom the next generation yeah. to carry on that interest. And and there's a huge benefit for mm-hmm. us in in having them. Yeah. E- you know, e- even if they don't do it for a living, right. if they're just interested and they they gain an appreciation for. Uh, something that's bigger than an iPhone or an iPad. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, and, you know, and just yeah. spend some time outdoors exploring. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be great. Yeah, I, I, I think that is a great message to end our, our conversation on today. Well, Roger, I want to thank you very much for joining us and sharing your story about this amazing find in your backyard. And um, there's a lot of information here, and we'll I'll get some um, some of the websites and stuff that you and I'll put that in the in the in the comment section when we post this. That'd be so great. So people can follow it up. And um, thank you for joining us again. And everyone, stay unique. You're very welcome. Glad to share. Mm-hmm.